Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. One of the most fascinating teams at the trade deadline, not even close, I think, with the Chicago Cubs. Chicago Cubs, obviously... They became a buyer, J. Mark Candelario, one of the most potent bats on the market. And they don't trade what would have been the most potent bat on the market, probably in Cody Bellinger. And they keep Marcus Stroman as well. They're going for it. They come out of the last day, the trade deadline day, three and a half game in back of the wild card, uh, which is obviously within striking distance. They love the fact that they are a plus 67 when it comes to run differential. That is third in the National League, and overall, that is sixth overall in the Major Leagues. So that's something that, that they certainly were hanging their hat on. Jed Hoyer, president of baseball operations, was hanging his hat on, and, and that's saying something. You go back to the a month before, a month as we tape this right now, before they were at just about 7.5%, according to fan graphs, to make the playoffs. And to make the wild card, forget about it. And then you go two weeks ahead to the 17th. This is after they lost to the Nationals, after being beaten by the Red Sox in their series. That They had dropped to 6%. So the 7.5% make the playoffs on July 3rd. July 17th is down to 6%. And by the way, their chances of clinching a wild card spot on back on July 3rd, it was 1%, 1%. So now you flash forward to today, and you have a team that's at 28.4% to make the playoffs and 116 to make the wild card. That's a big, big jump, considering, again, I'll say it again, 1%. So that's why I wanted to sort of give you the perspective, bring you, we have some audio from different general managers and president of baseball operations from around the game. Want to keep them coming, sort of reflecting on what happened, the trade deadline, because we cannot put the trade deadline fully in the rear view. We're still picking it apart. And by the way, everybody should go and listen to our winners and losers with Sammy and producer Evan. 
Um, I want to thank also 670 The Score for their help with getting a lot of this audio. Appreciate that. So here you go. I want to give you this. The president of baseball operations for the Chicago Cubs, who maybe made one of the boldest moves in making any move at the trade deadline. Jed Hoyer, here you go. In a lot of ways, they made it really easy, you know, the way the team played. Uh, I think when you look at, you know, where we are in this season, um, it's been an odd path for sure. Um, but I think it, you look at the way we played since really early June and we've played, you know, great baseball. Uh, it's a cohesive group. Um, I feel like when you look at the underlying numbers, um, the team's even better than, than the record. Um, and the fans have really responded to this group. And so, you know, for us, it was, you know, let's, um, let's do what you, you, you seek out at the beginning of every, you know, every, uh, winter, which is like, let's keep the group together for, you know, six or seven months. And we were able, you know, we were able to, you know, make the decision to do that. We obviously were able to, to add candy to this mix, but, um, I think it was a pretty easy decision uh, to keep this group together. And, uh, let's hope we can keep playing the way we have for the last six or eight weeks and, um, make it a really fun last two months. What to do with the Stroman situation? Because if you look at both sides of it, there doesn't seem to be a real easy decision there. Uh, no, I mean, listen, he, a big part of why we're here is the way he pitched for the first, you know, two and a half months or so. He was one of the best pitchers in baseball. He's had some. You know, some struggles now, but certainly uh, guys have ups and downs all the time, and he really carried us for, for a period of time. And so, you know, the hope is that he gets back to that, certainly. But, um, you know, we're a, we are ultimately, um, I think, a run prevention team. I know our offense has been really good recently, but, um, you know, he's a huge part of that, and um, he's going to be a big part of what we're doing going forward. Can you point the, the moment or the game when you're like, they've done enough for it? <laughs> I don't remember exactly a game. I will say that... Um, you know, the comeback with the second game in against the White Sox where we were, I think we were down seven, two and we came back and won. Um, and then obviously, um, my nights are all blurred together because I haven't slept, but, um, the, uh, the Talkman catch game, I mean, that, that was sort of like, okay, this is, uh, this is a lot of fun. These guys are, these guys are, you know, celebrating like it's a, a playoff game and, um, and, just doing so many great things together as a group. And so, um, this sort of felt like when you, we won, you know, a six in a row, uh, against the Cardinals in that stretch. And that, that was, that was probably the turning point where you realize like, you know, this, this group, um, believes in each other and it's definitely the right thing to do to, like I said, keep them together and not let them play the last two months. Usually you hear teams talk about just concerned about themselves and what's inside the room. But in this case, did you look at the landscape of the national league and realize maybe after Atlanta, it is a little bit wide open. There's a lot of teams that are probably in your category and give as good a chance as any if you can catch up a little. Yeah, you know, certainly there's a lot of years where um, you know, we're 53 and 53. There's a lot of years where that, that wouldn't have been good enough to make that decision, right? If you were in a division that had a team running away and the wild card was was way away from you, we might have made a different decision. So there's no question that, you know, where our division sits and where the wild card sits this year, you know, that was a big a big part of it for sure. I think when people started to realize that you guys may be buyers, they were expecting smaller moves. What what was what went into the decision to go out and get what was arguably the best bet available? Yeah, he was the best fit. I mean, we kind of looked at looked at the board and you know, looked at the guys we thought were realistically available. And, and you know, candidly, it was it's such a seller's market. Um, there was not not a ton of talent this year on the market when, you know, when we looked at it overall. And I think all the teams kind of felt that way when you talked to different executives that. It was not um, 
a really robust market in a lot of ways. It was very few hitters that we felt like could really add something to this team. And Candy was the one guy that we felt like, um, you know, switch hitter, you know, really good from the left side, um, can play both corners, you know, can DH for us some, uh, and just really give us a, a high quality bat uh, with good decision making. And that was, he was really very clear target. Um, and like I said, there wasn't a lot of those out there. Um, yeah, it was, it was really a fascinating market to look at. And I think part of it was what Jesse's, you know, asked, which is that there wasn't, there was, there wasn't a lot of sellers on the market. There's a lot of teams in the race. Um, some of the, you know, some of the other, uh, sellers had already sold off a lot. So there, there wasn't a ton to, to be had. So, um, he was the best bat we felt like on the market and he was a really good fit for us. And I was, I was glad it worked out. It's, and it's amazing. Like, you know, looking back, just made me feel old or made me feel like time flies that, you know, getting him six years to the day after we traded him in a, in a deadline deal is uh, pretty unbelievable. As far as the bullpen market that you just talked about wasn't very robust out there, how, how much, how hard did you try to maybe get a left hand? We tried, you know, pretty hard, and we were I mean, definitely in on, on a lot of different guys, but um, you know, not all deals come together. I mean, you know, Candy was certainly the, the priority and the one we went after the hardest and were most aggressive on. And you know, I'll give I'll give the scouts and the player development guys a lot of credit. You know, I do think we've worked amazingly hard the last few years to, to build up our farm system and, um, and to be able to give up you know talented guys, but also not sort of be also be able to protect sort of our, our top 10, 15 group was was incredibly important for us. And so, um, you know the last couple of years of the deadline have helped that honestly. And so we've been able to, to build up a farm system where we felt like we could make that kind of move for a rental. So if you last couple of years, you've talked to us at this day at this point where you're selling pieces now to be on the other side and be able to add, just how does it feel right now? No, it's, it's where you want to be. I mean, I think when we talked in, in um, spring training is like the goal, like can this group be competitive? And I think they're competitive for sure. I mean, I think they're a, a, a really good team. I think we've been, we've been, you know, um, like I said, on paper where uh, we've been a little better than our record, but I think, you know, when you watch the product on night in, night out, we do a lot of things really well. You know, we're among the, the top teams in offense right now. Uh, we've been a really good you know, run prevention team, uh, both pitching and defense. I mean, this team has a chance, I think, to, to come together and really win. And, and that's the goal when you leave spring training. So um, sitting here after selling, um, it's never the goal. Uh, now, certainly that said, um, it's often the right strategy. You know, when you're sitting in a situation where you're not going to compete for the playoffs and you have players that, um, can really impact your future, uh, it's the right thing to do. Uh, you know, certainly as we sat here several weeks ago, we thought that was the path we were going to take, but, uh, it's a much better feeling to be sitting here now having added and, and having been able to show the belief that we have in this group. You did get, what's the plan for them and just how important was it to just lengthen out the depth behind the big yeah, people. Yeah, you know, Quas is a guy that we had targeted for a bit. Um, you know, we, we like Nelson a lot, but we had um, a little bit of a, a log jam of right-handed hitters that, that weren't on the major league team, and so uh, we sort of traded some some depth there for um, for a piece that we've we've kind of targeted for a while, and actually almost had in a couple other deals. Um, and then Roberson, you know, the, the deal with Tampa, um, you know, was a little bit complicated, but. You know, trading some, you know a, a couple arms um, and some international money for Roberson and, and some relief was uh, was important to us. So um, you know, it's important to, to work on small deals as well as well as the big deals at the deadline. And you know, we were all day today. We didn't get any deals done, but we were you know talking to everyone. And um, it's certainly a uh, it's an enjoyable time to talk through those deals. And you know, sometimes they come together. Today we were you know up until the 
you know, last minute, we were talking about a couple of deals that didn't quite come through. So you're always, you know, active, and I'm, I'm glad we got, I guess, three deals done. Did you feel close about anything today that, that something was on the verge of happening? Not close. A lot of banter, no, nothing close. Yeah. Uh, you know, the stats aren't, don't, aren't eye popping or anything, but. Uh... No, he's a live arm. They're, they're, you know, certainly a live arm. And, um, you know, I think we're, we're the guy that we're excited to get into our system and see where our guys can. Uh, can do with them. Do you have concern that your bullpen is inexperienced in the roles they have, or after four months, even though it's not pennant race months, that you, you, you think you're you obviously must think you're okay? Yeah, I mean, I think our bullpen has, thro- has thrown much better. I feel like we had a that that period sort of going back to the the middle of May where um, it felt like uh, you know guys were struggling, guys weren't sort of weren't setting their roles and it really feels like the, you know, the coaching staff did a great job of getting guys in the right roles. And, um, you know, since then we've, we've been a really good bullpen and with a number of guys throwing really well. And, you know, the hope is that we can continue to bring guys up. You know, Palencia has done a really nice job since he came up. Obviously Assad's been fantastic, you know, since he, uh, this last stretch. And so the hope is that we certainly can continue to bring some arms, you know, through the minors that we've developed that can, that can add. And, you know, I hope, not only now, but also going forward, I hope that's the, that's the case where you know you, you want to be less reliant on outside stuff than than more. Now, you know the price to to go get a rental rental reliever or even a, a controllable reliever this time of year is is often cost prohibitive, and so uh, to me it, it's just kind of underscores the value of you know develop, developing those guys yourself. With prospects, it, it, the record had been a little better, but there have been more willingness to come up and start going uh, all in. I wouldn't say that, you know, candidly, I didn't feel like, um, you know, I, I kind of mentioned before it was a seller's market. You know, there were, we felt like candy was was in the best bat to go get. There weren't, you know, that, that kind of controllable bat. But, I mean, if had that kind of player or that kind of pitcher uh, been on this market where we felt really strongly about, uh, certainly we would have gone after them uh, pretty hard. But, um, you know, I think through the, the guys that, that changed hands, it was it was mostly – it was mostly guys that were rentals, and uh, it, there weren't a lot of uh, you know controllable starters or controllable bats that, that changed hands. With uh, Candelario coming in, just what ultimately made now the time to, to DFA Trey and just the, the conversations with yeah. him about that? Um, yeah, I mean, it was mostly the lack of at-bats, you know. Um, I think, you know, we'll probably play Candy at both first and third. Um, I, I think Nick has done a great job at third, uh, really impressive defensively. Um, and I think we'll probably play Patrick some at first, um, against righties against, excuse me, against lefties. So, um, it just felt like the right time, you know, um, he struggled with us and he probably wasn't going to get uh, many play appearances going forward. And, um, you know, it happens, you know, I think, uh, yeah, he's a great teammate. I think he, he worked really hard and, uh, you know, sometimes guys come in and, you know, play above expectations, and in that case, this case, that didn't happen. And I um, you know, wish him the best, but um, we just felt like it was the right time. You know, given we're going to play hard for two months, and there wasn't going to be a, a lot of uh, a lot of opportunity. You talked to other GMs. What do you find out about your own system and your own evaluation when they start asking about names that maybe sometimes you're surprised to hear? Yeah, well, I think that what was kind of underscored is is what we knew and what people talk about with our system is really deep. Um, so a lot of different names got asked about. Um, and I think that's really the strength of our system. And I think when you look at various publications, I think they would, they would say that, that we have a, a lot of really good prospects. And, you know, one of the 
you know, one of the challenges when you when you do have some depth is you can't protect everybody. You know, we have a forty man roster decision we have to make in uh, in November, and you know, uh, some of the guys we were talking about were not going to be able to be protected. And I think, you know, thinking back, you know, uh, a number of years, there was a bunch of organizations I always envied, you know, because they were able to make trades at the at the deadline and make trades in the winter to get guys they couldn't, you know, to um, get guys and they would use guys they, they couldn't protect. And I think, you know, we've gotten to that place where, um, you know, we're not able to protect um, some of some of our prospects that are talented. And, and when you, when you have that situation, it's a really good time to make a trade. Um, so I think that we've worked on our depth. Uh, we've worked on the farm system. Our development staff has done a great job and uh, we put ourselves in a, in a good position. What do you think when, um, Mike Rizzo says publicly there's eight teams interested in Candelario. Is, that, is he trying to get a better prospect out of you, or is it, does it impact you, know, you at all? Mike's, Mike's great. No, he's, uh, in general, um, I think this time of year, I, I, I refresh trade rumors a lot to see what's going on, but um, I also assume everyone's sort of playing, you know, you know uh, playing the leverage game and <laughs> – and uh, you know I, the, the nice thing is I, I knew you know I knew Mike liked our prospects um, and that really helped and um, he's great to deal with he's super direct and uh, we were able to get to a deal and he got he got two really talented guys and uh, you know really now I mean think about it from his standpoint you know um, they resurrected Candy got him playing really well um, Candy's having a heck of a year because their coaching staff and and Candy did a great job and now he's able to get you know two good prospects for it so that's a it's a great um, great outcome for the Nationals. It was a pretty easy decision to keep this group together at the end, but a couple weeks ago, it could have been a pretty easy decision mm-hmm. to go the other way. Did you ever go back and forth a lot, or how, how much pressure was on you to, you know, go do it? Or yeah. So, well, it's a great question. I mean, I, I feel like there was there was a period where it looked like, you know, we were going to be going to be sellers. I mean, we were. You know, I think back to um, we were seven under. And we were playing the Nationals, and we we're down three nothing, and you know looked like we were going to drop to eight under, and we ended up scoring seventeen that night, and then sort of didn't look back for a while. Um, but you know that was not very long ago, and so yeah, at that point it, it did look like there was probably things were probably going you know in that direction. Um, it, the biggest focus we had was kind of waiting and letting it play out, you know, um, not uh, shortchanging the process by making a decision too early. You know, we we. Um, we waited, played through the weekend in St. Louis, and you know, as we as we got closer, it became pretty clear what our direction was going to be. But we we still I still wanted to wait to get to that place where um, it felt like an obvious decision, and and uh, so we, you know that was sort of Sunday night. We're like, okay, let's we have after Sunday night, we knew we had forty eight hours to, to make decisions, and we had decided our direction by that point. But that that was when it was obvious. So to answer your question in a more Articulate way after not sleeping, but I would say that um, I, part of part of that decision was waiting, waiting as long as we could to let the team play and, and, and let them have that chance, and, and that was through Sunday. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of 
the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.